My name is Taylor, and I grew up in West Baltimore um, in the Sandtown area. I am a 28-year-old young black and gifted woman. And most of my childhood was, was spent at my grandmother's house because my mother chose to go back to nursing school. And so my grandmother gave us the opportunity to come back and live with her. And so my mother, she can help with, you know, the kids and things like that when my mother finishes, finishes, finishes up school. And I didn't realize the sacrifice that my mother made when I was a child and how it was impactful for me growing up because she chose to go to nursing school, which made a difference in, you know, my life financially, um, especially coming from where I come from. Um, it gave me more of, it gave me more opportunities if that makes sense, because she went, because she chose to go back to nursing school. It gave me more opportunities, which um, I'm grateful for her and the sacrifice that she made when she did that. And I was more so protected from that outside element because I was blessed to be under my grandmother's protection and I had babysitters who were older and who took the time to nurture me and, you know, pay me some attention. <laughs> And that was opposite from my peers because they were subjected to, you know, parents who were victims of drug abuse and things of that nature. So that kind of made me stand out and it created me being an outcast in my own community. Also because, you know, I was looked at as me not being hood enough or me not being black enough. And then, you know, I go into society, um, then, you know, I'm not accepted in the white culture because, of course, I'm black. So I wrestle between those two worlds, which is very difficult for me because when people see me, they don't see my struggle. And, oh, man. It's hard because it goes into that saying of, you know, thank God I don't look like what I've been through. Like, that's really real for me because I am very good at putting a mask up because I'm always the strong person, especially in my family and in my peer group. I'm always the optimistic person and always seeing, like, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, um, which created... Uh, a numbness in me um, recently because it's like you can be optimistic but it's like you still have to accept like when you're hurting and when you are in pain and you have to heal from that and as um, as black people we're taught you know how to survive and not how to heal and you know, I can go into my community and I can get, you know, they try to G-check me, you know, G-check me because, you know, they'll say, you know, you ain't from around here or, you know, you ain't been outside. Yes, I have not been outside. Yes, I was protected from that element, but I'm not going to feel guilty because I was protected from that element. You're not going to make me feel shameful because I had the same access to go out and 
you know, do drugs or numb myself because I was still in that element. You know, I had the choice to say, hey, do I want to do this or do I want to do that? And what I'm realizing as I get older is how dare you make me feel bad because of a choice that I made to be better. Um, and that's something that I still wrestle with still to this day that I'm trying to learn how to, you know, overcome. Like, I'm happy that I chose to heal. Like, it's, I think it's, I, I just finally was able to grieve my grandmother's death. It was like two months ago, and my grandmother died in like, what's that, June? And she died around my birthday month, which is, which is crazy for me because me being the strong person, again, you know, people don't check in on me. So, therefore, I am alone. Um, it's, it's hard being alone and like healing on your own. And it's, it's really hard. Um, Who do you feel closest with today? Well, when I met my mentor, Will, who also introduced me to Turnaround Tuesday, I'm able to express myself with him. He's kind of like a father figure for me. Um, so I'm still able to reach out to him. Um, but it's like, you know, he's older. So it's like I still don't have a bit of someone of my age group that I'm able to, you know, fellowship with and, you know, pour out my emotions and things like that. And even with my family, you know, I'm kind of outcasted as well because I kind of separate myself from them um, due to, you know, judgments being placed and, you know, me sometimes just not being comfortable expressing myself due to the fact that, you know, I feel like I'm going to be, you know, rejected in that sense. Um, so I kind of, I've stayed to myself for most of my life. Um, and not saying that I don't have people that care for me. I do feel like they care for me, but I feel like they don't know my, um, internal struggles. Um, the demons that, you know, I battle with, like, from day to night, it's um it's very tragic being in my head at times um mm -hmm. but in a sense i am grateful that you know i was able to overcome my struggles in an internal way and like when i say it if i can say it right um me being alone as a child helped me to you know, first learn how to love myself, um, which, of course, my grandmother introducing me into that spiritual foundation, um, me knowing that it has to be something other than <laughs> the universe or the sun that's protecting me because the things that I have been through in my life, I can only say that God or whoever you may address him in, you know, your religion and your spirituality, someone has to have had been protecting me. Like, that's something that I know without a doubt. Um, 
me being alone helped me as an adult to, you know, not seek validation um, from people all the time, um, to not seek attention. Like, I'm, I'm comfortable in my own skin, and I want to leave that behind, too, for the younger generation. You know that you can be comfortable in your own skin, like, it's okay to love who you are, like, as you are. <laughs> Um, you are enough, like, you know, to my community, like, I don't want us to have to feel like we always have to prove ourselves, like, you know, prove that street credibility and always to prove that, you know, proving that you're hard and that you're tough all the time. Like, it's, it's power in you know you being respected instead of you being feared if that makes sense it's more power in being respected than being feared i just don't want us to constantly be in a place where we you know are glorifying our struggle um but it is it is hard as a black person to have to work 10 times harder to feel like you're still only getting to you know C and you're trying to always constantly get to Z but it's like dang I, I'm, I'm okay but then it's like dang something hits me um, and that's that's where racism is real like that it is real because it is something that you know we constantly have to fight for um, which is it's a it's a draining battle. It's a draining battle, and and that's why I want us to, you know, bring back more of that togetherness in our communities, so we can be better protected within our community. Um, yeah, cause cause right now I don't feel protected. I don't feel protected one because I'm black. Um, so I can't call the police when I'm having a situation because it's not a, I don't trust them. And then, you know, I, I don't, it's hard for me to trust people in my own community because, you know, we don't have a structure where, you know, you can call somebody if you're in a situation and, you know, they're able to detain the situation. Because, I mean, this is, this is home for me and it's, mm -hmm. it's, you know, where I do want to, you know, rest my head at night or where, you know, I'm I'm tied to my community. I'm very loyal to it. And, you know, I, I just want us to be able to, you know, bring back some foundation where, you know, we, be, we can begin to, I mean, we can begin to, like, work together instead of, you know, being on attack mode all the time. Like, it's, it's, it's hard walking the streets um, and always having this mug on your face, always being in defense mode, always ready to attack. Like, that's draining. Like, you know, I want to smile. <laughs> you know, I want to say, hey, how you doing? You know, that's what I, that's what I want to get back to doing that. Um, yeah. Why do you think um, you in particular are so tied to your community like why not just be like I want to get out of here and go to New York or I don't know I'm just saying oh trust me yeah I thought about it I thought about it yeah 
I'm so tied to it because I want to I want to say that hey I was a part of the groundwork for this revitalization I was I was in the trenches I was I was doing the work that I needed to do for us to have a better life like and I think that's why I'm so loyal to it because it's like I feel I'm scared like if I leave and like you know things get better and I'd be like damn like you know why wasn't I part of it but then it's a part of me that say hey you know I was a part of it at one Mm -hmm. point in time so is it time for me to (laughs) no transition so I mean and I think this is why the Guardian Project is so important for me because this is a staple you know that I'm making to say hey I was here you know I did try my best to contribute you know I left my you know footmark you know, I left something behind to say I was a part of trying to make that change. So, yeah, that's why it's important for me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, loyalty can um, can trap you in a way, too, when you're so loyal to something that you can't see, like, beyond it, if that makes sense. But, I mean, I do want to say, you know, like, once again, like, I... I want a young black girl or a young black boy to understand the importance of healing, understand the importance of, you know, not constantly having to prove that you're this tough person or prove that, you know, you're this gangster, that you tough, like... I'm able to still be comfortable with myself, even though that I'm soft. You know, I'm soft, I'm sensitive. Um, that doesn't mean that, you know, I'm a doormat. <laughs> but, you know, I'm able to accept that softer side of myself and to, you know, still be able to love. Thank God that I'm still able to love. Because... um you know, the betrayal that I've experienced, the pain that I've experienced, especially being on a journey by myself, um, for most part now, I mean, when I mean by myself, I mean like when I go home at night and, you know, in those dark places that I have been, um, I'm still able to, you know, be nice. I'm still able to love. I'm still able to see the good in people. You know, thank God for that because, um, like I said, it it could is every day that choice could change. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And um, as you grew up, like, when did you want to become more active in your neighborhood and um, community? I've always been, like, vocal about, like, racism and issues like that. Um, Especially, I started developing that voice when I was in high school. Um, I always wondered, like, why life was different for me as a black child. And also, life was different for me because of my of how I was brought up. Most of my peers um, were brought up in like 
um, drug infested homes and things of that nature. And I was kind of protected from that because when I was younger, most of the people that I lived with, you know, they weren't victims of drug abuse or I had like grandparents who really took the time to like teach me. I had babysitters who, you know, were nurturing. And so I was protected from that element from what my peers were kind of like subjected to. So that kind of also made me different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And um, what are some things that you're most proud of about your neighborhood or the work that you've done with people in your neighborhood? Um, I'm very proud of the volunteer work that I did at um, a jobs movement organization, um, which employed over 800 people in Baltimore City. Um, I was proud to actually have a seat at the table with, like, you know, the president of Johns Hopkins and to be at a seat where, you know, there was power and I was able to make a change and able to see what it feels like to to have a seat at the table that would bring about change within my community. So that was very big for me. Um, Having people who don't know how to relate to people within our community and finally being face-to-face with them, having the conversation, like telling them our story and the nest the nest of why it was necessary for us to have a second chance um, and the importance of putting people back to work and what it would do for our community and also giving them the perspective of saying hey you know you have a responsibility as well like you're here providing something for our community I mean but we live here like you know you have a responsibility to us as well mm-hmm. but I think them actually hearing the story without it being like stereotypical actually coming from people who actually lived it um was big for me I guess what do you want others to know about you and your community if let's say you were talking to someone that's not even from Baltimore or you know. Yeah, it's a hard one because I'm 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 at wit's end sometimes mm-hmm. when it comes to explaining that I've always been an advocate of changing the narrative around um Baltimore. And it's been hard at times, especially now, um, with our increased crime rate. Um, of course, you know, depressed neighborhoods and things like that and you know, actually still being being in the area and seeing it like zombied out because, you know, of course, people are numbing themselves because they've given up hope um, for anything changing. Um, being around it is like, it's very devastating. Um, but... I did come to a, you know, a realization that, you know, I always will see the light at the end of the tunnel. And that's why I still do this work. Um, even though it's hard 